We will have a couple 14 and O's facing off on January 8th at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas for all the apples. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Fitzsimmons here with you in 2024. Happy New Year, Ian. My dear, it's good to see you again. And uh, literally just got off the plane, walked into the home, right, coming off the Sugar Bowl. Uh, the dogs attacked me. Uh, both daughters are like, we're the bowl gifts. That's all they care about. Right. And that was it done. You know, drop the bags and hello. How are you? I, yeah, I, I think uh, my butt's in the seat for about two and a half minutes. Go. Let's go. Let's get the it. actual dogs attacked. Eat like the dogs in his house, not the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> they weren't doing. I mean, they were doing a lot of attacking. If you were a Florida State Seminole, but let's talk about the teams that actually made the college football playoffs. Here, you mentioned it. You were at the Sugar Bowl, so let's start. Texas. They they made it interesting there at the end. We thought for a minute it might be the, you know one of the most improbable comebacks here, and we'd be talking about an epic collapse by the Huskies today. Instead, Washington, which led the entire game, and up taking care of business holding on at the end they are headed to a natty to face michigan it was impressive uh by both teams you know steve sarkeesian has built an an sec team uh in the texas longhorns and it took him three years and the best thing that he did was he told you know the big jock sniffing oil baron boosters back off you know even even year one when they blew so many leads you know in the second half amber it was just let me build this thing. It's not about star power. It's about guts, inside out, O-line, D-line. And he has. And, and so three years later, here we are, and they were you know, in, in the college football playoff and one play away from going to the national championship. But Kalen DeBoer, I mean, Amber, I can't tell you how impressive this coach is, his staff is, and – and his players, you know, with, with the game on the line, Roma Dunze, who's going to be a first-round pick, outstanding wide receiver for the Washington Huskies, is sitting on the bench, you know, calm, cool, collected, and he looks at Michael Penix Jr. and Bernie, and he gives him a wink. And Penix Jr., you know, as the defense gets a stop, stands up and looks at Penix and looks at Dunze and goes, "Let's just go win this." Like not screaming, not yelling, right? Just a let's just go win this. Dunze's like, okay, and they did. I mean, it, it was. And they did. They are so impressive. Where and it, it all starts with their head coach and Kalen DeBoer. Uh, I mean, against ranked teams, he's undefeated in the month of November and December as the head coach of the Huskies. Let that sink in, folks. He's undefeated uh, it, when his teams have to be playing their best football. His whole thing is get one percent better every day, and they have. And here they are going up and going into the Natty against a Michigan team who probably will be the villain and Washington will be that underdog darling that America loves. Yeah, it, it, uh, Michigan's already going to be favored in this thing. We'll get to that. Four and a half. But I want to hear because you were on the ground, though. Boots on the ground, quite literally. I don't know if you had boots on, but you were on those sidelines. All right, now, see, that's a shot. That's a shot because I used to wear boots before 16 surgeries, right, on my right foot. So I would love <laughs> to have had boots on. Boots are for when I went to the fairgrounds uh, on you know the day before the game to go watch the ponies. Uh, mm-hmm. I do not wear boots on the field anymore. I wish I could, but six hours in 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 boots, no, the ankle won't handle it. 
but thank but you. Yeah, I, it, well, there you go. I, it's hard to bring up bad memories <laughs> there, but Texas <laughs> made it a one-score game twice in the final seven minutes. They closed the game to 37-31 with 109 remaining. They attempted that onside kick. Washington ends up recovering it. Washington's able to stave off the comeback. Washington's headed to a natty. It was Penix that was just unbelievable in that game. 430 yards. It was the fourth best passing game in in college football playoff history. So he led his team all the way to a national title. Tell me what it was like being there in that dome on the ground as Texas continues to fight for its life. And they really did make things interesting down the stretch. You know, Amber, it was also a Texas home game. I mean, that, that was 70-30 Longhorn fans to Washington fans, by far, bar none. And that's why Michigan chose the Rose Bowl. As a number one seed, for people who don't know, you can choose which playoff venue you want to go to. So Michigan smartly chose the Rose Bowl because if they went sugar, it would have been a home game for Alabama. Well, mm-hmm. this was a home game for Texas. And that, that, that's, what, that's part of what made this performance by the Huskies even that much more impressive. But their game plan, I mean, it wasn't just about the air attack. I mean, at, at times, when you're going at Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, and for people who don't know who these two individuals are, they are the defensive tackles for the Texas Longhorns, 93 and 90. They're going to be late first round, early second round draft picks. And it reminded me of 1992 when I was at, at, in that same building, the Superdome, as a young student reporter for the University of Alabama and Crimson White where Alabama took Derek Lassick and ran right at the unbeatable Miami Hurricanes. And, Amber, you may remember that game where it's Gino Toretta, the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. winner. You know, Miami's a 10-point favorite. Alabama's got no shot. And what does Bama do? They don't run wide on them. They attack the guts of that impenetrable Miami defense, and Lassick goes for over 100 yards and ends up being a second-round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys. Washington for half the game, went right at that Texas defense. And it, it was impressive. So it wasn't just Penix with his arm and his smarts, but it was a phenomenal game plan by Kalen DeBoer and his staff to at times go, you know what, we're not going to go wide. We're going to go right at you and try and stop it. And it, it was beyond impressive. I mean, I'm telling you. And just watching Michael Penix Jr., his mannerisms, his body language, how calm he is behind the bench, I mean, even with that Texas crowd going nuts, he he never got rattled. And as you mentioned, he goes for 430 and two tuds. Dylan Johnson has two touchdowns. Now, that's going to be a big loss. I I do not think he's going to be able to go in the natty. Their star running back, who went for over 1,000 yards. That is going to be a big – got carted off the field at the end of the game. I think that's going to be a massive loss for the Huskies. But in the moment, you celebrate it, it was too – tremendous games, one that goes to OT in Alabama and Michigan, and this one comes down to the last play of the game. It was it was a privilege to be there, Amber. It really was. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of nice, cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. And it is still college football season because we still got one ahead of us. So we will look ahead at some point tonight while we have Ian Fitzsimmons with us to that matchup between Washington and Michigan. But let's talk quickly about that other game. Were you able to catch any of it as you're preparing? 
time for the Sugar Bowl? <laughs> right, so, How does that work? I mean, it goes into that's OT, a good question. You're busy, you, you know? Because you've done games with me, right? You've been on the sidelines. So those early games, you, you normally, as you know, Amber, you've been down there. They're normally on the Jumbotron. Right. Alabama, Michigan was not on the big screen at the Dome. So my sideline producer Scott Satterwhite and I, we went over to and, and just stood on the field by the uh, the luxury the you know, the, the on field end zone luxury suites at the dome, and we're just watching a random person's television for the last four minutes of that game, and it was insane because every time Michigan did something well, the dome went crazy because they were either watching on their phones or you know in in the you know on the concourse or watching as we were. You know the TVs in, in the in the high dollar suites, and so you could tell that both fan bases wanted Michigan to win that game. Because anytime Alabama did something, it was it was quiet. Anytime Michigan did something well, it was a, an absolute euphoric roar. And so when on that last play, when Milrow on, on the low snap, quarterback for Alabama, Jalen Milrow gets stunned and and stopped, the place went crazy. I mean, it went absolutely ballistic, and but be careful what you wish for because that mm-hmm. that Michigan team is so talented. I can't wait for this one. But yes, to answer your question, we were able to watch about the last you know five minutes and then overtime just eavesdropping on uh, which by the way is the best part. You know, when you're just down there on the sidelines and you know you hear everyone talking, uh, it, it, you, you could tell both fan bases, Texas and Washington. We're very pleased that Michigan won that football game. That's interesting. I was very pleased, even as an SEC girl. I've gotten to the point where I no longer root for Bama, even though I know the SEC blood in me. And it, we do this weird thing in the SEC where we root it's for each other once pride. you're out. Conference you know? pride, yep. It's a conference yeah. pride, yeah. SEC, SEC. And I did that for years with Bama. And I hit my breaking point. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm done. And, and also, I didn't think Bama should be, you know, I didn't think Bama should be in the playoffs to begin with. I thought that it should be Georgia, frankly, or FSU. So I didn't really like how Bama got into this thing to begin with so I didn't love that they were there I couldn't make that same argument with Michigan so overall I found myself sort of rooting for Michigan and I wonder if some of that hangover at this point just permeates the country Bama's one of those teams so successful for so long it's always fun the when Cowboys they lose the we Yankees, see it so right? rarely yeah yep. the Cowboys and Yankees of college football Yep, absolutely. Coming up next, there are lots of questions surrounding the futures of the coaches of that Michigan and Alabama game. We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Six was 29 of 38 passing, 430 yards, a couple touchdowns. That is That makes him, by the way, that made him, after that performance, Ian, the first player with multiple 4,500-yard passing seasons in Pac-12 history, and his Washington Huskies are headed to a natty. And our very own Ian Fitzsimmons was there on the sidelines for that entire Sugar Bowl. Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive. Ian Fitzsimmons, Amber Wilson with you. You were on the sidelines of the Sugar Bowl there in New Orleans, and so you were there for the action, the confetti's raining down you go grab some guys after the game. Who was the best sound that you got? Well, Roma Dunze is a talker. Uh, so uh, the, he, he's going to be a first-round draft pick, what the outstanding All-American wide receiver for the Huskies. And go back to the Oregon State game in a monsoon. You know, it's 38 degrees. I mean, it's pouring down rain. And uh, Washington finds a way in Corvallis to beat, again, a, as an underdog, another top 25 team. And at the end of the game, I, I posed a very simple question to him, Amber, and you remember this. It was, what do you tell the committee? He goes, just turn on the damn tape. <laughs> That's a dunze. So he's going to the natty. I caught up with him right after the game. Here's that sound. Can you describe what it's like after you go for over 100 yards receiving, watching those final plays unfold with a natty on the line? Oh, man. I mean, it's exhilarating, of course. It's like cinema, but... You know, I have full belief in this defense, full belief that they were going to come in. Hey, good game, boy. That they were going to come out there and do their thing. And for four downs, I mean, they, they held them. And, you know, our defense has been making those clutch plays all season. So we knew they were going to come up big for us, and I'm just happy we got the dub. You were an underdog again in this game, and you win again. What does that say about your team? Man, we've been underdogs all year. You know, uh, I don't care what, who, you, who you are, you didn't believe we were going to be here. Other than our, all of our mamas, you didn't believe we were going to be here in this moment and going to the national championship, and that's just the truth. So, you know, we carry that chip on our shoulder all, all, all season long, and this is just another game that, that we went out there and showed our perseverance, showed our resilience. Before that last drive, you gave a wink to your quarterback, and he's like, I got this. What's that? The smile comes across your face. What's that relationship and that chemistry like between you and Michael Penix Jr.? Oh, it's amazing. You know, I, I owe that guy so much. You know, he's come in and done done so much for me in this program. And, you know, throughout this whole season, throughout the offseason, we've been, we've been in the lab cooking, you know, and through the, through the season we've been, you know, connecting on several different plays. And we just have that connection that we know, you know, when, when we need to get something done. And, you know, luckily for us, it, it, it's it's uh, got done on most, most occasions. All right, we're in New Orleans. If I put this team in a big old pot of gumbo, What's it taste like? Oh, it tastes like the best gumbo you ever had, made by your grandma. That a, a thousand-year-old recipe. That's what it tastes like. <laughs> Go celebrate. Go dog. <laughs> other than, mamas other than our gumbo, mamas, right? Grandmas, right? right? Other than our mamas, nobody believed in us. Uh, that's probably true. I, I definitely did not have Washington in the national championship, and most people outside of Washington probably did not. And Dunze had six receptions, 125 yards in that game. You can tell, though, the camaraderie there of oh. that team. I mean, when, when I when, that story, I was, I was, you know, kind of going back with a Dunze uh, in that moment between he and Penix Jr. That's in the fourth quarter right before their last offensive drive. And Dunze just looks at him, and they're both sitting next to each other, you know, on the bench. And they're both, you know, knees resting. Uh, I mean, their arms resting on their knees. And Dunze just looks at Penix Jr. and gives him a wink. 
And Penix stands up and goes, let's just go win this. I mean, so calm. Right? Not, not yelling, not mother-rooing, right? Just, let's just go win this. And they did. As underdogs, yet again, they were underdogs in Corvallis. They were un- nine-point dogs against a team they beat earlier in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon, and they win that one. In this game, four-point dogs. And guess what, Amber? In the natty? Four-and-a-half-point underdogs. You don't mm-hmm. think that Adunze and that team are not embracing that? Because if you don't, folks, I'm telling you, you don't know this Husky squad. They they are truly embracing this underdog role. Yeah, they have been here before. 37-31, to 31, they end up beating the Longhorns on their way to a national championship. Another win, something they have done 14 perfect times this season. You also got an opportunity to catch up with the head coach on the field after the game. Well, Coach DeBoer, you mentioned when we talked earlier this week, 3-0 with us. Now you're 4-0, and your team as an underdog again finds a way to win. What's it say about your bunch? Well, I just want to make sure you're going to be there next week. <laughs> I will be there next week. Yes, we will. Okay. That's what first things first. Uh, our guys, uh, and they just, they're resilient. Um, they play together. Um, doesn't matter the situation. They're just going to go line up and play the next play. Some unfortunate things at the end. Um, not going our way. Um, you make your own breaks, and the breaks went against us, but, uh, you know, just battling in there every single play to the to the last snap with one second to go. So I'm proud of these guys. Uh, they've earned everything that they they've uh, achieved. Personally, what's this journey been like for you? Well, to me, it's all about wanting to see these guys here, uh, just celebrate the moment they're in, and uh, you know all the sacrifices that they've made, um, seeing all this pay off, and you know that's what best that's the best thing about this moment right here. Go celebrate. I know you love some ice cream. If you can define this team as a, a certain flavor of ice cream, is it Rocky Road? Is it the Apollo me? What, what? How would you describe it? I know you've asked me this before, and I said it's, it's all of them combined. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. We, we definitely are not something that's just plain and simple. I know that. You ain't vanilla. No, we are not vanilla. So, yeah. Go celebrate. He yeah, remembered dude. your ice cream question before. From before. Uh, that was last year in the Alamo Bowl. I mean, right. he, he is, I mean, he's like an elephant. I mean, he does not forget things. And But his bunch, Amber, it, it's beyond impressive. They, they truly play for the guy next to them. And that, and in that game last night, that was the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line anchored boy by their left tackle, Troy Fawotunu, who's going to be a first-round draft pick against that defensive front for Texas, wow, which is anchored by Murphy and Sweat. And Washington won the battle. And his guys, I mean, they never they, – they don't doubt the guy next to him. It, it, it is remarkable to watch. And you know what his record is as a head coach now? Going back to his days at Sioux Falls? 104-11. and 11. Wow. 104-11. and 34-5 over his last three years. 25-2 and two now in his, la- in his two years at Washington. And undefeated this year. The man just breeds winning. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, it does that over and over and over again. Goodness, a heck of a record there. So the Huskies now headed to a natty after that win. Michigan also headed to a natty. Another one score finish, 27-20 to 20 over the Crimson Tide. Is this going to be the last time we see Harbaugh, no matter what happens here in this national championship? Game? I think so, yeah, because, I mean, you look at that contract that has that NFL clause in it that Michigan has offered him. I mean, it's a 10-year deal, you know, what, around $130 million. And, but there is a 
no NFL clause in there. And he's also hired Don Yee, Tom Brady's agent, to represent him. He's never had an agent before. I, I truly believe that win or lose, Jim Harbaugh is going to coach his last game in six days for the, as, as the head coach of his alma mater. I really do. It's what I would do. I think it's what I would do if I was Harbaugh. I mean, especially with the adversity, obviously, the multiple suspensions. We know the, the NCAA, NCAA is still investigating lurking. that yep. program. Yes, ma'am. And typically, that's when we see coaches get out. All right, you run, you take a page out of Pete Carroll's book, <laughs> go <laughs> on to greener right pastures, maybe yes, at a ma'am. different level. And that's that's the playbook. I, I feel like the Pete Carroll playbook is the one that, that Harbaugh is now going to follow his brother to the ranks here of the NFL. I think that's the most obvious play. For me, it was the hiring of the agent that put it over the edge just because what's the point unless you're seriously considering your options in the NFL? Why else would you? And he probably has a carve out if he re-signs with Michigan that he's not giving the agent a percentage of his salary. But why would you even entertain that relationship unless there's a reason for it? Uh, no, I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, and that moment when I, when, I, when I heard that news that he hired Don Yee, mm-hmm. and then he wouldn't sign, a again, a right. 10-year, $125, 130000000 million contract, yeah, he's got one foot out the door. Yeah, uh, now Michigan right now is focused on winning a national title. I don't know if this story changes at all depending on what happens in that game. I tend to think it does not, that the goal has already been accomplished. Whether they win or lose the national championship, I do think Harbaugh's probably on his way out, but I don't know if that means that things are bleak for the Wolverines here moving forward either because they looked pretty darn good in all those games we saw through half the season with Adam. Coming up next, is there anyone that can beat the Baltimore Ravens? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Spend quite a bit of time on college football, but boy, do we have a lot of NFL to talk about as well because the playoff picture is getting a lot clearer and there are storylines galore. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Let's bring in some help for all things NFL. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, kind enough to join us. And Hawk thinks as always, let's start with these Baltimore Ravens that just kick the living bleep out of my Miami Dolphins. Uh, is there a team here in the AFC that you think could actually contend? Apparently it's not my Dolphins. So is there a team in the AFC that can contend with this Ravens team? If they are clicking, no. The only team that could contend with the Ravens is the Ravens. They just have to come out and play their best games. 
and there's nobody else talented enough because nobody else has players, a player that you can't schematically stop. If Lamar Jackson is playing at his best, it, it there's no defense. There is no uh, strategy that prevents him from being the best player on the field. You know, if you can't commit to stopping him from running because if he's throwing like we've seen him throw last week, there's nothing you can do. And you can't stop him in the pass because if you put too much back and you give him too much space, he will take off. And if he's running and he's full health and strength, he's just going to be faster and more elusive than the players you have on your team. As far as the Dolphins going forward, Hawk, I mean, if you can put into perspective what they lost with Bradley Chubb to that torn ACL. Yeah, it's tough. And then, I mean, you couple in the the injury to Phillips earlier in the season. I mean, this game is about being able to get after the quarterback, like I just talked about. Um, And, you know, I I actually still like him this week. I think it'll be an emotional game for him. I think there's a lot on the line, and I think that the team will come ready to play. But down the stretch to the playoffs, we've already questioned their ability to be good teams. Um, Without your two best pass rushers, I mean, it, it becomes nearly impossible because, to your question, at some point, to get to the promised land, they'll have to go to the Baltimore Ravens. And if you can't make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable, again, it's like it's 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 going to be a long day at the office. Well, and very few people can make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable. Is he easily the MVP at this point? Yeah, he's the MVP, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's a debate. I know we have jobs to do and, and airtime to fill, um, but even the other candidates. I think there's a couple of things that work against them. Number one, how they've done against the best teams. If you look at Lamar's season and look at how he's played against the best teams on their schedule, they've already had one of the hardest schedules in the, in the league. And he rises to that occasion this season, you know, even beyond the other statistical numbers. I and mean, then on top of that, I think it hurts players like Brock, players like CMC, players like Tua, and players – uh, like Tyreek, because the systems that they play in, when you talk about those teams, we're all talking about McDaniel. We're all talking about Shanahan because they truly are offensive masterminds. And we've seen this kind of production from players over the last decade playing specifically in their system. We've seen Matt Ryan, right? We've seen most there has 21 touchdowns to match CMC's 21 touchdowns. And I'm not saying CMC is, you know, the same player as most of he's having an incredible season. I'm saying that the knock for them is the fact that they are with these legendary game plan, offensive mastermind coaches. That's what is hurting their case. Hawk, we all, we all talk about Baltimore and San Francisco, but who are a couple teams that we're kind of sleeping on? I know I've got two. I'm curious to see who yours are. One in the AFC, one in the NFC. When if you look up, they're all they're they're in the conference championship game. Who who are who's one team out of each conference that you went? You know what? You don't want to see these guys right now. The Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think Matt Stafford. Yep, I'm with you. In my in my opinion, has had is the best season I may have ever seen him have. To to be honest, this is one where he's kind of just taking it on his shoulders. Um, he's played lights out at times. And again, they, this is a team coming in that people were saying after Cooper Cup got hurt, we can't even find a win on their schedule. Are they going to be positioned to go get Caleb? Like, 
And the way that they've come out and Puka has come on and Williams and the job Sean McVay has done, they're a team that nobody wants to see. Even the Ravens had to squeak by the Los Angeles Rams. And the other one is the Cleveland Browns. They're playing with reckless abandonment. They have nothing to lose. To be in the position they're in after starting four different quarterbacks and having to settle on a 38-year-old Flacco off the couch and then raise their level of play, that defense is outstanding. Schwartz has been outstanding. They have the best defensive player in football, in my opinion, and they're a team that has believed. And no matter what, when that adversity hit, there was never a game where they seemed like they didn't believe they could win a Lombardi. There are other teams that are more talented, other teams we've talked about uh, about being a better football team, play, teams like the, the Philadelphia Eagles who can't seem to figure it out that don't play like that. And even when they win, they don't feel confident in their long-term abilities, and we as viewers don't feel confident in their, in their long-term abilities as it pertains to, to, to winning a Super Bowl. 38-year-old Flacco and 35-year-old Stafford, two of the best quarterbacks <laughs> still uh, in the league, apparently. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Hawk, let's talk about what's happening in Pittsburgh, and I don't mean another winning season there for Mike Tomlin, but I mean at that quarterback position, there are rumors that Kenny Pickett refused to dress for the Seahawks game because he didn't want to be the backup to Mason Rudolph. Of course, he's denied that, so has Tomlin. But what do you make of the draw that surrounded the Steelers all season. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's new territory for a Pittsburgh Steelers organization, for sure. Um, it's amazing that they're still in the position that they're in. That is a, a masterful just job just settling the ship. And the players are playing motivated. That being said, if, you know, everyone's debating, oh, you know, is it okay for a player to lose his starting job because he got injured. And I would argue, I don't think he's lost his starting job, number one. Number two, I don't think he, if he's not starting, it's not because he got injured. I think you have a harder time trying to uh, explain why not to continue to play Mason Rudolph than you do explaining why Kenny Pickett should get his starting role immediately back. This offense has looked better than it has all year. I don't know if it's, you know, we've seen Mason Rudolph before. This isn't new starting. They went with Mitch Trubisky over him for a reason. We've seen him start considerable games for the Pittsburgh Steelers specifically. I don't know how long this lasts, but they would be silly not to continue to play that hot hand because for whatever reason, it's working now. And sometimes that happens when a new player comes in that you're not prepared for and teams haven't had a chance to really break down what you like to do, your tendencies, and throw a new game plan strategy at you. So I don't know how long it lasts. But if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm making the same call. Mason, you are starting until they stop it. You're getting the Josh Dobbs treatment. You're going to continue to go until somebody proves that they've figured it out. And right now it's too crucial to even think about going in another direction. From a player's perspective, if you're an L.A. Charger and Jim Harbaugh is named your head coach after the national championship, win or lose, you know his quirky attitude, but the dude wins. How would you feel if you're a Charger about Harbaugh being your next head coach if that happens? That's a good question. I, I think I feel like when I was in Cleveland, we started there was like some rumors about Harbaugh when we were looking for a head coach. Um, I, I won't say that I was super excited about it, not because I don't think he's a great coach, but I don't think there's really any coaches that you're like, oh man, I can't wait for this guy to come in. 
Honestly, if you're a player, all you typically hear in that, if you're not Justin Herbert, is like, okay, now I got to convince another person that I'm worthy enough not to be traded or cut, right? Like, because hmm. new coaches are going to come in with their own perspective. I think the Chargers absolutely should hire Harbaugh if the opportunity presents itself. It makes way too much sense. And I'm actually a huge Harbaugh fan at this point, a lot more than I was probably, you know, five or ten years ago. But the reason is, I mean, he, he kind of delivered on what he said he was going to do at Michigan. And that means something to him, and that means something for players who are looking at coaches. Every new coach comes in with all these empty promises. The last Chargers head coach did the same thing. The Chargers coach before him did that. You want somebody with a track record that proves that they're actually able to do it. And Harbaugh's resume speaks for itself. And the biggest part about his resume that makes me a believer is, yes, the job that he did with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, he's a former player, um, a big-time starter in the NFL. And, yes, he returned Michigan back to the prominence that he promised that he would. But more than that, Listen to the way that his former players talk about him. Listen to the way they talk about him. And every one of those stops that I mentioned, the Michigan players, the 49ers players, like I, I know people that play with Harbaugh. He is a quirky dude, and he is a, 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 a hard ass for sure. But at the same time, they swear by him because he is one of the coaches, one of the rare coaches that does the one thing that gets uh, missed nine times out of ten for coaches who end up getting fired is, he says what he means. You're not playing, you know, a game of, I, you know, I got a secret with your, your players, and players respect that. Whether it's good, bad, or anywhere in between, players just want coaches that keep it real with them. That's why Mike McDaniel's players love him, and his personality is the complete opposite of Harbaugh's. But Harbaugh's players love him for the same exact reason. He tells them exactly what he's thinking, um, and he doesn't sugarcoat it, and he doesn't dance around it, um, and he doesn't tell them it's raining when it's not. Mike McDaniel's personality is the opposite of most NFL coaches, I feel like. But the new look NFL, it seems to work. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. Thanks, Hawk. Thank you, guys. You know, when he was talking about the player perspective of bringing in a new coach there, he carved out Herbert. He said, not named Herbert. And it made me wonder, and, and we were up against it, so I didn't want to take up more of Andrew Hawkins' time. But it made me wonder, if you are Justin Herbert, are you excited about this potential coaching change? Because on one hand, Ian, it's an opportunity for a coach to come in and for you to actually do some real winning here. But on the other hand, the expectation is going to be so much greater because Justin Herbert has 100% from all of us gotten a pass in his career the last few years because we blame everything there on Staley. Yeah, I think that if you're Herbert, you're embracing this because you look at Harbaugh's history with quarterbacks, right? Especially in the NFL, um, whether it was Alex Smith or Colin Kaepernick or what he's doing right now with J.J. McCarthy. And, and his Michigan offense, I mean, in one game, McCarthy might throw it nine times. But they win because they ran it 40 times with Edwards and Corum. And the next week, you know, J.J. McCarthy might throw it 34 times. And they find a way to win because they exploit what you don't do well defensively. That's the mastermind of Jim Harbaugh. And you know who else used to do that? Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I'm not comparing by any stretch of the imagination any quarterback with Tom Brady. But I'll, I'll never forget calling a Patriots game, Amber. One, the, the previous week, Brady threw for like 430 yards you know, and, and four touchdowns against the Jets. 
He's playing my brother's team, and I'm, I'm calling that game at Lions and Patriots. And the following week, I think, I think Brady threw it like 11 times, and they ran it for like 280. That's mm-hmm. what great offensive minds do. What you don't do well defensively, they capitalize on it, and that's what Harbaugh does. All right, I want to stick here a little bit with Harbaugh and his potential relationship there with the Chargers or just generally with the NFL. But coming up next as well, the Ravens absolutely destroyed my Dolphins on Sunday. That's what James wrote on my screen. Seems oh, unnecessary. You, you could have just wrote beat yeah. my Dolphin. Destroyed seems a little harsh. Then you then you go on on you the T's on my screen yeah you, there's dismantled in front of me there's He's a got like, we all right the the point is chicken the kicks we'll, we'll talk about them next right. <laughs> During the break around here, all sorts <laughs> of things come up. In fact, I often say with radio, and this is true with sports radio generally, the best show is the one that unfortunately we can't air. It's the one that happens on commercial breaks. It's the show in between the actual show. Amber and Ian's presented to you by Progressive Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons. We are here. So I think you can share this one, though, because you started to tell us some story during the break that came up because you were talking about being in so many hotels, your insane travel schedule that you've taken to taking pictures of your hotel room key on your phone so you can remember where your hotel room is. And then you mentioned you walked in on newlyweds once and we had to go back on air. So I need you to finish that story. So James Steele, I mean, he's known me a long time, our our producer, and he's heard this before. I I can't believe you haven't or or Rachel hasn't, our our associate producer tonight. So I've had four four bowl games in six days. And it's not a matter of forgetting what city you're in, right, or what game you're calling. It's what hotel room you're in. Because you know, you're going from the Texas Bowl to the Alamo Bowl, both night games, and then you, you're catching an 8 a.m. flight, and you got coaches' meetings at in Atlanta the next day, and then it's a noon kick for the Peach Bowl. Then after that game, you're flying to New Orleans. I mean, so you 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 have a moment where, and our good friend Kirk Kerbstreet told me this years ago, after my run-in five years ago, where I'm doing I think it was five games in eight days, and I. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this on the air again. So it was the, the last game. It was a natty, right? And mm-hmm. you're you're. It's one o'clock in the morning. You know, you're you're done with post game. You're done with all your post game interviews. Your post game o- obligations, and you're going up to your room. But in the previous you know day, you were in room eight oh five. But right. this one you're in, in a 20, different in, in a, a different, different city, place. a different hotel, yeah, different city. And so you're now. Going into, and, and you're know, like, am I in 805? Wait, no, and your, your key's not working, right? It's 1 o'clock in the morning, and you're so oblivious that you don't see rose petals by your feet. Oh, no. As you're trying to open the door, and your key's not working, and you're just livid, and you want to go to bed, right? Just brush your teeth, get out of the suit, and just, just crash. And you don't want to go back downstairs, right, to get the new key, then you put it next to your phone, but you you're positive that this is your hotel room, right? That you you right. know it. Next thing you know, door opens and this dude. I mean, he's wearing his birthday suit and he's got <laughs> muscles in his earlobes. Oh, and he no. looks at me and he's like, "What in the hell do you want?" Sir, which already the kind of the kind of guy who is totally 
unfazed, un, not scared to open up the hotel room door at one or two in the morning Start, to some strange I man mean, while you suit. are nude. Right. Yeah. While you are nude, that guy is full of so much confidence that you should at that point. He be should have been. I mean, his arms were as bigger than my legs, right? I mean, I mean, and again, rose petals. And so you got it, flaunt it. A very intimate night, whether it's newlyweds or whatever. Rachel now has her hand over her eyes. I can't believe Ian did this. No, I did. This happened to me. I mean, I'm not, not creative tall, enough though? to make this up. So I looked not at the man and went, I went, That's crazy. What's that, James? Not even a towel. That's crazy. Like, no, I mean, nothing. Just, I mean, like, when I say the bathroom is right by the door, I'm, you just grab a towel and maybe like nope. cover up. That guy just. Well, just, man, think about it. You're, it's 1 a.m., right? And you're you being interrupted, right? On a very intimate night because there's rose petals leading into the room. I don't know if they were newlyweds or what, but I, I looked at a guy and went, Sir, I apologize. Congratulations. <laughs> Turn around, walk back you downstairs. Him. I mean, it was like a Tuesday like, no, no. for this guy. You don't know. <laughs> normal night for this dude. So that is why you take the picture. That was his third date of the night. Could have been. I mean, look, just, hey, no. strapping. Hey, he was a strapping guy, and I mean, when I say strapping guy, and <laughs> every form of the word, right? I mean, it, yeah, so uh, that's, that's <laughs> part of the intimidation factor, afraid. I would imagine. But it, but that's why you take the picture of your hotel room key when you check in on your fourth bowl game in six days. So you don't have that happen again. And thankfully, because of Captain Game Day, Kirk Herbstreet, five years ago, after I told him that story, that was his tip. All and, and after you've done three or four, take the picture of your room key so you remember what room you're in. There you go. There's a story. That's smart. It's smart that you do that. It's dumb because sometimes I'll leave mine in the sleeve so that I don't forget. And that's a terrible idea. Because then that's if you lose clue. the yeah, key or as a woman, then you go into your bag and it very clearly says what your room number is on the oh, key no. right there. Bad idea. And so you should probably take remove the key from the sleeve, discard the sleeve, and take a picture of it on your phone. I feel like that's actually a pretty smart idea and on your you part. And you don't run but into a guy a- who's a mountain of a man who is ready to j- absolutely choke you out like a chicken. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, if I wasn't married. Uh, but uh, anyways. So, yes. <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> it's not good to run into those kind of guys. <laughs> One or two in the morning. Accidentally. You're a good-looking Especially- fella. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. The way you're describing this guy, I mean, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm human over here. The way you're describing this gentleman, this I'm just, so you know, good. I mean, I'm a married woman, but if I wasn't, I just, there's probably worse things that I've seen. I was not that's expecting that, Amber, but there you go, right there. Yes, there, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'd be terrified, though, if I was knocking on anybody's door or trying yeah, to get into me, anybody's yeah, door. Yeah, you're running, right? And you're apologizing, right? You, yeah, oh, hey, how are you? Am I in the right room? <laughs> you are now. Wait, this is you really gone now. off the road. Wait, are we live? Is re- are we on air? <laughs> going going off the next. the great part of our Here show? on Amber and Ian. Now, oh, 2024 is off to a start. Okay. We we will get back to Jim Harbaugh and his future with college football, or is he headed to the NFL?